Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. Today, it's a great pleasure to be diving into design with Cheryl O'Mara of the Print Pattern Archive. Cheryl, hello, and thanks for joining. Hello. Morning. How are you? We're good. Yeah, we're all good here. Sun's out. Hooray. That's always good. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's great. Cheryl, we've known each other for some time and we've been meaning to catch up. I know your business is changing and evolving and the industry's changed and evolved so much just in the last few years. So I thought it'd be really great just to uh, pick your brains really and get your insights and talk about the print pattern archives today. Of course, yeah. So if you're happy, we'll dive into your first question. And this is a really interesting one, isn't it? Um, I know this story, but our listeners will love it. So when was the Print and Pattern Archive founded? Well, it's been going for probably about 30 years, Mm -hmm. um, maybe more. But I first went to work in the archive in New York in the late 90s and um, absolutely loved it. Completely fell in love with um, textiles, um, antique textiles and wallpapers. Um, and the woman that I went to work with, Marlene Goldstein, um, at the time she'd had um, a personal tragedy. She'd lost her husband, sadly, at 41 suddenly. Um, and I didn't realise until a lot later she had to go sort of straight back to work, um, which was obviously really difficult. And I just thought she was really flaky. She was never in the office, but, you know, thought she was amazing and loved her and loved the archive picked up the phones, did everything that, you know, would normally do. I think Photoshop was pretty fresh to market then. So it was just like, right, OK, I'm going to build a computer, which I find hard to believe now. <laughs> <laughs> did all of that um, and just loved it and loved my time there. Um, and then came back to the UK and started collecting myself because I was so inspired. I um, lost touch with Marlene. And then in 2011, um she got back in touch out of the blue she traced me because I think I had a a greetings card business at the time that was kind of focused on vintage so she was like oh she still loves vintage um and then cut long story short um after a couple of phone calls she said that she would love to gift the archive to me so of course I was completely blown away and like after I picked myself off off the floor I was like yes please (laughs) um but I think the the main thing really about that was, well, at the time I was really struggling myself. I think I'd had baby number three and I wasn't sleeping. It was like I was thinking it's time for a change. And literally that very week she gave me a call um, and had said basically at the time, if it, if it wasn't for me kind of being so on hand and helping out and supporting her that the business would have gone under I don't think she would have been able to maintain um, what she was doing so so it's just this lovely serendipity and I love to think of it as business karma of you know me having her out then you know amazingly literally at the the crossroads I was at she came and and helped me out so and that kind of business karma has really stayed with me actually since Mm -hmm. then Um, just that generosity of spirit and not necessarily giving to receive but just seeing you know where and coming in at at whatever point not necessarily you know motivated financially but just seeing you know where where can you help where are you going that little bit extra for people um just out of kindness really and support because at some point we all need support and at some point we're all in a position to support so whether it's mentoring or um just going that little bit extra or being a bit flexible so it's very much part of our sort of business mantra really to to do that and see the bigger picture rather than just the project in front of us so 
Yes. So, I mean, the passion for antiques uh, was kind of alive and well. And I went over to pick up the archive um, in a 40 degree heat wave, which was not fun. Um, I was like, June's a good time to go. Um, But clearly it was not. And we had the heat wave. But we managed in by um, hook and crook to get everything back to the UK. Um, And it took me six months probably to sort everything out and just get my head around the 50,000 pieces and books and wallpapers and um, I mean, it was immense and it was in, in quite a mess as well. So um, I think I just went to, you know, got millions of books and just slowly, slowly the kind of print algorithms started kicking in. I started recognising fonts on selvedges and, mm-hmm. you know, wallpaper type and, you know, just starting to get a feel of shape from a different era and um, so yeah, my learning curve was literally like that. So, um, but I loved it. I enjoyed every minute and, and realized, you know, what an immense and incredible collection it is and how inspiring it is too. So, um, so how, I, how, how far back do the documents date? Um, I think some of the very early ones, I think are sort of 17th century, um, oh. I would say the bulk of the collection is anywhere between sort of 1850 and 1950, um, yeah bulk of but then there's there's sort of exceptions either side um but I think what's interesting is because it was collected by Marlene that who was also also in fashion and a print designer herself it's a completely different collector's eye to someone who collects for maybe historical importance so within a pile of statement florals you'll get you know there might be something from Parisian 1920s through to 1950s through to 1850 but you know everything has a different handwriting but Mm. Um, yeah, I think having that variety in one place and it being very much hands-on, um, I like to have everything very accessible, as you can see, kind of from drawers of sort of wallpapers. So it's, yeah. it's, it's quick. It's like a library, really, an inspiring sort of library of eras. How did she, how did she collect them? Was it just um, a life's passion? Time, yeah, it was her life's passion. And I think also at the time it was just very available. Vintage yeah. wasn't such a big thing. Yeah. Um, it was really easy. I mean, some of the pattern books now that are worth thousands, I look in the front of and it's like $85. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Inflation. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's it was very readily available. So she would just go to the flea markets and the auction houses in New York um, in the sort of, you know, we were in the garment district, but actually further afield you could still pick things up quite you know quite easily mm-hmm. from sort of factory closures and um yeah it, it was very easy not so easy now <laughs> no it's not no it's yeah. not no remember a few years ago we were buying documents and the uh, buying them outright is um yeah it's quite a task really and you have it to is. be really careful don't you as well absolutely um, yeah the provenance is yeah. so important and actually we're really hot on that and actually everything in the original archive um we sort of know is 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 antique because it's so old um but yeah searching for newer pieces now we have to be really careful who we're buying from Mm -hmm. um and actually we stopped selling outright pieces um now we only loan because we want to keep the integrity of the original archive intact there was a point where we had so much that it was you know we were able to do that but i think really for me now it's just building an incredible collection rather than things coming in and out it's it's that variety and quality really so it's an incredible um, resource isn't it it is amazing it's really yeah. just so lucky it is and I, and I love you know everyone who comes through the door it, it's just it's always such a pleasure for me because I just get so excited and just like yeah. wow and oh my god and it could be anyone from sort of a high-end sort of interiors company through to 
you know, a team at ASOS that, that might come yeah. through the door in different yeah. ages as well. It's really interesting to see, um, you know, what designers in their 30s get excited about and what designers in yeah. their sort of 50s get excited. It's so interesting the sort of way things are interpreted and, and but there's always lots to get excited about so that's the fun bit. but there's there's also so many different drawing techniques and different genre across all of that and then i know that you've got you've got both painterly you've got walker rings you've got jacquards you've got textiles printed textiles it's it's a vast archive isn't it it is yeah there's a lot yeah so everything from printed to wovens to you know very very fine sort of chiffon silks mm. with beautiful really fine designs and then sort of big painterly sort of you know 1950s mid-century stuff so it's it's really varied um and I think that's what I love as well because I think when people come into the archive sometimes they don't quite know what they're looking for and it's hard to put together a collection sometimes when actually what you need is just inspiration and I think that's the lovely thing about antiques is it kind of takes you out of our zeitgeist and into the zeitgeist of you know the 20s 30s 40s and you know, you can really feel that in a collection of a, yeah. of a certain era. And I think also with the advent of Google now, it's, you know, if you want inspiration, often people will do digital inspiration or look on the web. But there's nothing like actually coming and seeing hand-painted pieces. In fact, I picked this up um, a couple of weeks ago at the Manchester Antiques Fair. And yeah. it's a hand-painted gouache, but it's kind of pixelized. So actually, um, someone who's uh, in men's shirting is actually looking at that at the moment. Because imagine blown up or as an interiors yeah. project, if that was... Yeah wallpaper made into you know to or to look like mosaic tiles it's like suddenly the application because we've got the fun side of easy production with digital it can translate so when I'm sourcing I'm looking at things with a completely different eye it could be from an interiors angle it could be from a print angle it could be fashion it's it doesn't really matter but it's really exciting to go sourcing with mm. not only just brand handwriting in my head but actually end application which can be really varied so um, but I think you, you find things like that in so many places, don't you? I mean, I've I've bought an, an eBay table years ago, a beautiful hand painted gouache floral on a wow. 1930s tabletop. Uh, Amazing! Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. You see them on fire screens. You see them everywhere, yeah. locked in, don't you? It's fantastic. Yeah, and I think it's having that um, broad vision of, of where the sort of end application yeah. can be. I think because it's interiors is so exciting at the moment, and I think digital processes have as well as traditional of kind of broadened what we can do with with um surface any surface in fact i always have a bit of a saying that if it's a surface it can have a pattern on it it's like yeah it's true <laughs> it's definitely my life anything could have, anything could have print anything's yeah. a print carrier um yes it's, it's great like, you there every little piece is a time capsule isn't it really it is it's a yeah. hand you know and the person that created that has gone long gone yeah that their work continues that legacy and I think that it is it's lovely actually when you get some of the um really beautifully painted pieces that are so fine as well and I think I find that really inspiring and people are always like ooh and ah just because of the detail (laughs) um when they come in but also colorways layouts it's just you know having that breadth of inspiration but then also just really kind of it can sort of solve the problems of now it's like I think with my print algorithms now I would say there are certain designs that are timeless, not in the sense of like a leopard print or a kind of tartan or something that sustains the you know time yeah. in the sense that it's a classic. But there's certain elements of paintings and certain elements of print from history um, that I feel 
that you just know that they're going to be a bestseller and they're kind of a future classic mm. and they're they're sort of timeless and there's there's certain elements now that I've kind of fine-tuned my eye to sort of hone into that you know that if you as a print vehicle if you had a dress that you'd still be wearing that dress in kind of you know five years time and I think for us the way that fashion and the industry is moving um, there's a lot of focus on kind of sustainable um, production in garments and fabrics and and but I don't think much thought's been really given to sustainable prints because of course if you're buying a dress and you want it to last 10 years you don't want it to have such a statement print that's so recognizable from 2023 or um, you know you want something that's cool and a bit different and painted in a really interesting way or has different sort of slightly different color combos or an interesting layout or a placement but actually that has to really work hard now because there's lots of companies that are starting to sell their back um, produce and um, people like Zara are, are selling. They've got secondhand Zara clothes now, which I think is great. Yeah. But as fashion becomes more cir- circular, I think it's really important to stop thinking of print to be fresh with it, but to start think of it, it, thinking of it in terms of it's got to last. It's not a throwaway garment anymore. So it's I feel like... It's isn't it, how we're kind of reinventing the word trend. Yeah. Where a trend was literally, right, if you're not wearing this, you're not trendy. You yes. know, this month, next week, the week after. And although mm-hmm. everything's still kind of seasonal or on demand, um, it's becoming more, much more focused at the lifestyle of the consumer, isn't it? Then it's definitely, yeah. And I think we try and reflect that... Um, Kerry um, Rigby, who joined me from ASOS's co-director, yeah. um, brought lots of excitement in. She used to work on the other side with me at ASOS, so it's amazing now to have someone who's been in the industry on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, we have another design studio that we opened a couple of months ago down in South Oxfordshire, and that deals mostly with the sort of studio side and creation of new um, uh, designs and commissions. But I think what's interesting now is is linking that kind of new creation of design obviously the archive is at the center of everything that we do um but using processes um some of the artists and designers that we work with we have this kind of studio ethos that to make things a little bit different to just the catwalk kind of inspo and all the usual um outlets for for inspiration is we obviously have the archive but then our processes we use designers who use kind of vegetable dyes who use kind of processes really that have been around for thousands of years some of them um as well as painting and kind of creating things in the same way that archive pieces are created but using history as our muse but then creating future classics so carrying that quality of hand-painted really beautiful pieces inspired by the archive but then doing it in a way that is future proof and you know is isn't going to be throw away next season so I think when people see us they always comment that what they love is that it's just a bit different and it's not the same old stuff and I think that's what we try and build on but bringing those two with the new studio stuff in with um um, you know classic archive pieces that that we rent out so it's kind of getting that balance right there would be no point in the studio side going off and doing sort of you know catwalk trends um inspired pieces so whilst there's a nod to that i think it's really important to keep our integrity and usp which is which is classic design really or future classics yeah you see that with we see that with everyone's collections don't you they're becoming much more personalized yes however regardless of the size and scale of the brand really it's all about capturing that lifestyle isn't it really whereas years ago 
It could be like, you know, if you if you just think back to re- recently, like the tropical thing, like the tropical thing went absolutely everywhere. So yeah. everyone was just so bored, so, so, so bored with everything. But you kind of don't see that so much, do you? There, there might be a colour, there might be a bit of a theme going on, but it's, yeah. it's much more stylized. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, probably back at that time, then we have done tropicals, but they've been something a little bit different or a yeah. little bit of a move on. And I think that's always the secret rather than going for the sort of, and I think most of the clients that we work with are doing just that. They're looking for that slight twist on something or not what's out there or what's on the trend forecasting, but it's their own sort of hand in that and their own sort of voice in that, which I think is really lovely to work with as well. So it is amazing, isn't it? You can use an archive that's so old to get closer to your own customer. You don't yes. have to, you know, like we have to stop this whole mentality of creating newness. You yeah. know, there is there is so much incredible talent from the past that can be repurposed, whether it's, you know, whether it's a print, a, a drawing or a fibre. You know, we really yeah. do have to become much, much more circular, don't we, in everything that we do? Absolutely. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I think, you know, that's... Question everything. That focus on print and just just doing something unique. And in fact, I've got there's a wallpaper that we did for Manchester Museum here, just yeah. as an example, but to make it sort of personal to them. So this was all hand drawn from an original vintage, but yeah. um, we added it was next to the specimen cabinet. So we sort of added the tree frog, the rare tree frog that they've just got. Um, there were like lots of elements in there. So, but I feel like that's a classic enough design, yeah. but recolored it's sort of kind of timeless isn't it but yet it's got all the quirky elements that they wanted um they wanted in there and obviously scaled up or recolored with color pops you know suddenly it can kind of move on and be something a bit different but i think it's it's so varied really um yeah It's it's having that content as well isn't it so you know a lot of people don't see it but in the design community you you and i will see it instantly you know it's design form and color isn't it really it's track it flows as you say it can be scaled up it can be scaled down but it moves well within its own with its own journey a good design will do that absolutely it can be scaled up recolored it's just a good design is a good design is a good design it's just you know yeah exactly and if you you, sometimes you'll get one that is just a nightmare to color right from the very beginning yeah it's a nightmare to separate it's just an absolute nightmare and it it will stay a nightmare forever yeah it does doesn't it? it's hard to improve it yeah it's true um but i think the the most the I think the biggest way to add value to a product, I think, is good print in a similar way. The opposite yeah. is true, the polarity of that. So you could have the most beautiful garment in the world and it's cut beautifully and it sits beautifully. But if the print's not up to scratch, you know, it's it, it can be, you know, a disaster. But I think the same is true of, you know, the, the other way. I think once if, if you've got something very simple and it can be a very simply constructed garment, especially I'm thinking as production costs go up because yeah. of um, the increased cost in being more sustainable and using better fabrics and better producers, then, you know, adding print that's incredible to that kind of more basic garment is one way to really kind of knock it out the ballpark with value and make it something quite different, I think. So we've seen a lot of that. Um, moving through with different clients so yeah it's been quite an interesting shift similarly with lots of cuts in the industry and lots of um, um, design teams shrinking budgets shrinking it's like those designs now have to work so hard because that one you know where people would be buying five six seven eight prints at a meeting they're now buying one or two that they can get three or four prints out of recolor Mm -hmm. take placements out of and they're kind of like the hero prints have now become the superhero prints. 
they've got to fill a whole collection. They've got to yeah. do a lot. Um, do, you, do you find that there's a lot, there's a big, the big call out for diversity from the big brands though. They need more print more often. Well, they've got to stand apart, especially yeah. when there's a lot of volume um, and very little time and now less resources. So we found ourselves completely changing the way that we work. So mm -hmm. we've become almost like the um, outhouse, in-house team. So because we've diversified, because Kerry's um, obviously able to do shape, embellishment, the whole thing together, um, we're finding ourselves like looking after clients a lot more, solving a lot of their problems by holding everything together. So designing shape with print in mind and then being able to have an eye on that whole thing means right. that um, with some brands we're literally rather than taking a collection now we're like laying out into mapped images and saying well this would work for this and you've got three ways with this and you know so it's, might with whether it's um so you're working with their lookbooks then yeah basically creating a whole sort of look together because i think that way everything is just so much more holistic and yeah. considered and it's something we can do um and i think it just gives a lot of reassurance so i think one of the biggest fears with clients is they're going to miss a trend or they're not mm -hmm. you know it's it's so everyone's working blind with competitors so obviously we're the common thread with that as we work with so many different brands yeah. it's nice to make sure and give reassurance that 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 brand handwriting is still really strong, but it's doing something different to what everyone else is doing. So that's not that uncertain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's been really lovely to be able to provide. Um, that's great. Could you share a couple of a couple of favourite client case studies of things that have happened? Um, that have been yeah, used obviously for I can't because we're NDA'd yeah. up to the hilt. But <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Rightly so. Yeah. But I've got a nice little project here that we did. Um, I won't say who it's for, but so we started with. Um, this lovely kind of vintage yeah. uh, as we were talking about tropicals, tropicals yeah um and then that was translated into um print for sort of swim shorts beautiful but i think what was really nice about this brief is is how the handwriting changes so this was the sort of inspiration point and then you know i was shown the rest of the collection and yeah. then asked to work into that sort of handwriting so in a way actually it's changed quite a lot um, and then we're sort of colour separating and working at sort of eight, nine, ten colours, adding branding. So it's quite nice to have a wider picture and we're not shooting in the dark. We're not sort yeah. of like creating a design that we're like, oh, I hope we sell this. It's a much more, more focused efficient way of working and yeah. more focused way of working. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah do, and then you, I do, do you agree that, though, that that is the way forward? I think so. Yeah. To, teams have to be more collaborative and have to really you know, share each other's yeah. skill sets. I agree. And I think to get the best and out of the talent of um, print studios, certainly with ours, and obviously with a bit different because we've got the archive, but mm -hmm. I think and we can work sort of backwards with commissions. So if we you know, can show them three or four wallpapers and say, great, we want the roses from that and we want to kind yeah. of swap it into that and add elements. So that's really useful. But I think it's a much better way of working when, when everything is focused. Like for me, even every time I'm outsourcing and once we've got clients sort of under our wing, it's very much a sort of a, a much more wraparound service. So when I'm out looking mm -hmm. for things or if I'm creating colorways or if I'm suggesting designs or they're sending mood boards, it's kind of that whole holistic thing of having their brand handwriting um where they've been before last season when we've worked with them where they're going now what the trends are what the influences are but still being really strong on that usp and and brand handwriting to sort of keep it so gone are the days where sort of 10 years ago you just go and see a design team they're like oh yeah we'll have that we'll have that we'll have that it's great yeah. and you know 
throw enough print at something and it'll all come together. And now I think because of cost implications and the market and retail taking a bit of a hit, a massive hit, um, it's mean, mean we've had to change and be much more reactive. But I think that's one of the blessings of being a smaller studio is that we can be reactive and really focused and look after mm -hmm. clients in a way that I think perhaps if we had much bigger overheads, loads and loads and loads of designers, I think it becomes, um, yeah, probably a lot scarier, I would imagine, actually. I think that's <laughs> also, yeah, that's one of the big takeaways, isn't it, really, from the, from 2020 mm. is that everybody has to be able to pivot. Yes. And follow, fo yeah, just just collaborate yeah. follow and you know we use the word trends again but commercial strategic trends market yes. shifts yeah. you have to be able to move with them and different generations too look like what the millennials want to the gen y's and the, you know and also seeing the progression of that one of the drapers reports um, i was reading recently yeah. talks about how that progression happens over 10 years so now all the sort of millennials and the um, you know, are going to be working their way up the career ladder, mm -hmm. having more disposable income and then having certain expectations. So there's almost like a timeline there or a sort of time bomb of like, you're not going to get away with sort of fast throwaway fashion without sustainable elements. And um, so, it, you know, in some ways right. it's good, yeah. we can see it coming. But and then the other half of that is, is um, I think as there's only one certain thing really about the future and that's uncertainty. So yeah. <laughs> I think being able to be, we always call ourselves print ninjas, being able to be like ninjas in business where you're like, right, okay, that's what's needed. Constantly listening all the time and seeing how things are changing and having a finger on the pulse. And also for us, diversifying into different markets as well. Yeah. So um, we're doing, we've now started manufacturing. So we're doing wovens at the moment and tapestries for Soho House for some of their projects. Going into hospitality and interiors and yeah. creating bespoke products there. So, by having eggs in different baskets and then obviously doing our sort of core work, which is obviously the the archive and fashion and interiors, it just helps us to diversify a little bit. And actually, in some ways, it's really nice because one influences the other. So we've got a much broader view of what's going on generally and what the sort of trends. It's, in, it's are interesting, like isn't it? Because everything that you're saying is basically that, you know, you can't live, you can't work or live in silos anymore, really. No. You have to be able to pivot and you have to be able to move or follow and shift with the market. And from my perspective, you know, I truly believe that the whole digital format, whether it is um, physically digital via printing or digitally created, um, digitally transposed, taking the documents, putting them through the system mm -hmm. and being able to trans transport them into a new life across yeah. Gosh, and as you say, no surface is safe. Anything pretty much can be printed. And, you know, from, from my career, that's just the absolute joy of watching digital technologies evolve, really, alongside yeah. the design side. Yeah, and no, I think you're so right. And I think what's also exciting is whereas we were boxed into, literally, <laughs> to always thinking literally. we had had to have things in repeat but actually now because of placements and because of technology and especially in the sort of higher end um lower kind of production um numbers shorter runs you know creativity is just absolutely endless so yeah. i mean some of the projects we're working on now certainly for placements and interiors and suddenly it just blows everything out the ballpark of what you can actually do and and i think that's so exciting in a way in the same way that music going digital hadn't had a sort of um a democracy for artists i yes. feel the same in print Definitely. i feel like 
technology now is you know there's a lot 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 out there as well it's there's a swamp of kind of you know a, a huge amount of people with their work out there but I feel like you know with social media and suddenly everyone's their own agent and I think you know this new superstars coming up I think are really exciting because you get to see their process and you get to see their their interpretation of where the end results are so there's a lot more artists getting um a lot more sort of it's it's not dictated by you know five or six big brands who are employing designers that can churn out designs with a commercial edge now you know there are real true i believe sort of artists coming up the um coming up the ranks and they're not necessarily like the unsung heroes of the studio artists that you know i've got zillions of examples of work of you know this time they've actually got a platform and they're really respected and yes um, and it's amazing to see them work. I mean, I'm quite a fan of um, Alexandra Farmer, who's kind of always on social media doing these incredible sort of detailed drawings that are so her. And, and you know, having someone to, to elevate themselves through social media and, and kind of working with all sorts of interesting people. It's so important, though, isn't it, for the designer to yeah. be able to put the spotlight. I mean, it's, it's also interesting that there are a lot of creatives out there that really don't like to do that. They want to be yes. in the background, too. But for those who can, you know, address social media and create their own websites, et cetera, et cetera, whilst not losing touch with their own creativity, but they yes. use it in a collaborative way to share their vision. And, yeah. and on, I think there's also something with the next generation. They're not scared of sharing. No, digital but, natives. Yes, I love they're, they're actually <laughs> fine about having that. You know, I think my generation would probably be much more closed and closeted in, in about yes. thinking they're going to get ripped off all the time. Yeah, well, it's not, it's not a natural um, yeah. thing, whereas with digital, I've got five kids and, you know, always ask a teenager if you need yeah. <laughs> I've learned so much. This is why I'm so techie now. So I'm just like, how did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, yeah, times are changing. And I, and I think because digital natives are less self-conscious, actually, I think yes. it's really lovely. And it's more about the work and the integrity. And, and obviously, probably there are those who, but I think anything that's done with integrity really stands the test of time. And I, and I think yeah. that's the secret, isn't it? So I think that yeah. sums up the collection as well, doesn't it, really? The integrity yeah, totally. of the collection lasts yeah. the test of time. And I think that's also a massive mes- message for all of us with sustainability, isn't it, really? 100%, yeah. So yeah I mean, good quality way. design, components, everything. Everybody in the supply yeah. chain, which regardless of tier, works together really. to create something that's really unique and of great quality and it will last yeah absolutely i mean so we've all got those dresses in our wardrobe that we've yeah. had for eight years ten years that just you know never date not so much that it's the fit but it's more that they are the the print's classic the shape is pretty classic yes. but it isn't boring it's just something that that absolutely, is, is nice yeah yeah um so yes cheryl, I think roll it, cheryl rolling back a bit how much of the collection is digital now how much of it um we have archived quite a bit um i would say probably maybe a third to a half it's trickier with fabrics um i mean you can imagine yeah um you're not going to be getting your iron out on that are you (laughs) (laughs) no so we're trying to find ways of um archiving pieces in a way that you know is 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 very careful the actual fabrics and fibers as well because obviously when marlene was collecting everything's folded so we're sort of trying to work out a way now that we can sort of um roll store them better yeah yeah, but then still make them really accessible because they have to travel they they need to be hands-on um obviously carefully hands-on some are rarer than others and they're kept in different element areas of the archive but um 
What yes, an amazing makes... story. You're a fantastic custodian. And you really are, well, you know, just taking it to the next, taking everything to the next level for the next generation. And all, well, you exactly. know, all of those I think having, people. Yeah. Yes, thank you. And I think having, and um, being exactly that, a custodian, who knows what, what life it'll go after it's, yeah. you know, after I've sort of finished with it. But um, it's quite a responsibility. And I think moving with the times and making it relevant is actually part of that sort of role of looking after it for future generations and at the moment we're in a monastery as well which is fantastic so to be in a heritage building where it's secure and I know should anything happen to me (laughs) that it's in a good home do you know what I mean it's not in some sort of mill somewhere or you know it's 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 certainly looked after and cherished as it should be so yeah and and building on as well just continually building and buying and and purchasing new pieces and and really elevating it so yeah that's the kind of hope for the future that's amazing do you work with your clients now to prepare files for print so that you might know that it's going to go digital first and then it's going to go rotary or the other way around does that make any difference in your studio oh absolutely yeah Yeah. because as i said with if we're sort of screen printing then we're working in sort of sometimes up to sort of 11 12 layers um and it's all we work in color separation so it's super clean um but yeah absolutely whether it's digital or whether it's kind of color separated into layers or sometimes design elements so um yeah absolutely it can dictate and then obviously now we're doing wovens and tapestries that's a whole new kind of ball game i'm off to um we work with a local uh, weaving mill which is lovely so we keep it all kind of close and and nearby neighbors so um so yeah i'm going to get my head around all the new processes and, and how that works so taking my sort of commercial design eye and then finding new processes and partners which is really exciting so yeah it massively depends what we're doing but yeah ceramics you name it nothing is safe <laughs> fantastic no it really really is yeah one of the one of the last questions actually was um was something from my side really is that i absolutely love the faults that you find in old printed fabrics and yeah. old old drawings and things as well and i guess do you use utilize digital technologies to carry that carry those on? Yes, definitely. I think that's one of the beauty of digital is is whether it's a watercolor or whether it's an analog printed kind of roll. You get the lovely roll of print marks. Yeah. Um, I I love that. I think that's mm. what gives it character. So there's a fine line. In fact, we've been having this conversation this week as we're creating a range of wallpapers um, for an influencer. But it's it's that nice mix of um, digital but then also so clean enough that you can color separate and do whatever you need to do but then keeping that integrity of the original print rolled sort of vintage style that has the sort of you know the smudgy bits but I mean some of them are quite crude it's like you definitely have to like have a bit of a a sort out and take the eye don't you I guess as well knowing when to stop (laughs) it's like you don't want it super clean and cut out but having that lovely texture I think makes that brings that sort of nostalgia and that warmth and that kind of you know something that feels timeless again actually it It is it's all about whatever you know regardless of anything like that the surface is all about being tactile isn't it really yes yeah the customer end end of route the customer wanting to pick it up being attracted to it touching it you know, those yeah. are all the, the points that clinch the sales. And also, make people love things that they will keep. Just so important. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, sure. We've, gosh, we've been chatting for ages. It's amazing. <laughs> we keep chatting for <laughs> <Lovely>. days. <laughs> 
So thank you. We've touched on that the archive is definitely expanding. Um, So what's next for the Print and Pattern Archive? Well, I think, as I said, for us now, it's kind of building on the already amazing collection, but really going to town with that. So we've, we've, I mean, I mean, it's actually been great. It's been quite dry for a long time, but now we're suddenly seeing all these things. And I think I heard it's because lots and lots of antique dealers are having to close their doors, um, which is really interesting um, because obviously overheads have gone up. People have less money to to obviously disposable income. So and obviously, you know, vintage is a bit of a luxury. Um, So actually at the antique fairs and the antique dealers that I that I work with, suddenly there's an abundance of, of great pieces. So. I'm kind of riding that wave at the moment wow. and also supporting the dealers who are struggling and, and you know, also got surplus stock now because obviously, but but then they're in a better position to refresh and sell on yeah. in chunks. And, and, you know, so that's that's been great. So we're, we're sort of working our way through that nice wave of fresh um, um, antiques and vintage. That's, and that's then really get- exciting. Yeah. yeah. So watch your space. And then we've been going like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> and then. Uh, Kerry was recently in uh, Japan as well, so she's just come back. So we're going further afield. Um, she's had some amazing pieces, really unusual pieces she bought in uh, Osaka. So wow. traveling further afield. And then from a sort of projects perspective, we're just so broad now, I think, in what we do, that we're just working in, in a really creative way, in focused way. So doing the wovens, working with interior designers and architects and um, everyone from sort of kids wear through to sort of, you know, Soho House. So massively broad. So we want to keep building on that. Um, and then also we've seen a bit of a gap really where really specialist courses. So things like um, dealing with Indian manufacturers or yeah. designing print for shape, because actually a yeah. lot of universities teach how to do print, but they don't actually teach a module on shape. So all the very, very tiny nuances that are missing in yeah. education rather than doing general print courses, which we may well do as well. Um, certainly working with antiques and lifting prints and understanding mm-hmm. what you can and can't do. So I think next year will be about launching that side. So we have these very, very specialist niche courses, which I think are, are needed actually, because we're sort of educating Definitely. our clients in a weird way as well. Well, it's kind of a win-win for us so um yeah and then obviously just building on the collection and building our client base and working with this kind of new wave of focused working so yeah Fantastic. being reactive because we never know what's around the corner <laughs> no you don't but you are creative so creative yeah, you know, exactly that makes it a lot easier to reinvent and to pivot doesn't it really true yeah because you One naturally advantage. want to evolve yeah yeah totally. you like change definitely Definitely, yes. No oh, Cheryl, to... thank you so much for joining us. It's been fantastic. <laughs> My Encourage pleasure. Everybody to check out Print Patent Archive and I'll make sure that the links and everything are in the show notes too so that people can oh. get in touch with you. Yeah, and I, I look forward to seeing you again soon. I certainly enjoy rummaging through the all of yeah. those documents. It's just, <laughs> have a... <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah, it's like it's just a library, isn't it really? It's such a wonderful experience. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's Brilliant. really exciting. Fabulous. Oh, lovely to see you, Debbie. Great. Speak soon. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.